to the Gridiron Show. Me and Will Gavin will take you through week 15 of the NFL. We've only got two weeks left. We have. We will go through all the scores, all the all the results, uh, playoffs garnered, divisions clinched, legacies gone. But we will bring it all to you here on the Gridiron Show. I should have prepared that a bit better, I think. I really like it. The only thing I would say is that your legacy's clinched moment was incredibly wistful. Uh, or legacy's ruined, or whatever it was you said. I liked it, but I was like, oh, I felt a little tinge of sadness then. <laughs> you know what? You're welcome. And that's uh, that's how, how we are. We are recording uh, you uh, in probably under some sort of blanket with a, stroking a cat like a maniacal... Um, evil genius that's exactly what's happening that's weird isn't that weird and I am in the studio back at TS Towers where everybody is going absolutely mental about Jose Mourinho ding dong the witch is dead I'm so excited to do extra time tonight Um, (laughs) the fact is is that I said this to you earlier we, I am and we are insanely lucky to do the job that we do as a career and I hate that there are people who work in our industry who whinge and moan about obviously if you have bad management whatever then fine but you know at the same time have some sense of perspective about what you do for a job but honestly when I came in on Sunday before, ahead of uh, Rams uh, Rams Eagles the first hour that we do and we talk normally about the football and other bits and pieces I was dreading it because it was just more talking about Jose Mourinho. And then came to last night and Sam booked a guest on it. And I'm like, Ugh, Not kill more. me now. When kill me we, now. I listened to uh, you talking to Phil Brown, Philippe De Bruyne, who's Philippe brilliant, at Malachians, I think, on Twitter. He's brilliant on Manchester United. He's great on boxing as well. But I listened to that interview and he was done. Oh. being asked about Manchester United his answers were short and he was just basically in every answer he may as well have just said we've gone through this a thousand times I think he's done I think he should leave the club yeah. <laughs> and it, and that wasn't a slight on you normally Phil is really really good but everybody was just done with this storyline done with this narrative that done with Jose this isn't the right fit and Pogba and and it's almost you could get uh, you could get Phil on tonight and uh, see how he is in contrast. But yeah, I, I, the whole thing just I'm it, it's I'm glad it's over and I can feel why you would feel that as well, Willie. Enough football chat. Let's chat football instead. Uh, I uh, basically for this show we are going to rattle our way through the. Um, through the weekend's games. We're going to have the latest odds of Sky Bet ahead of Saturday. But it's just that time of year where the most important thing to focus on is the football. So let's focus on the football. Yeah, let's do that. Did you... I watched um, I watched the highlights in 40, which ended up being in 37 and a half. That's not uh, a they surprise. Couldn't, they couldn't squeeze, quite squeeze 40 minutes out of that, uh, out of the, uh, the game last night. Saints beating the Panthers 12 to 9 in a game that even the purists would struggle with. 
Look, it is, the fact of the matter is, is that the uh, this weekend we saw three of the top four seeds lose and one come very close to losing. We got to see the absolute unicorn of a play that is the pick two. I think I'm right in saying it's only the second one ever since the rule came in. Which it made was the, glorious. Which made the game tighter and closer and fascinating we also saw the worst rule in the NFL rear its ugly head again the fumble out of the end zone leading to a touchback for the opposition rule now um, I saw your your diatribe on Twitter from this morning about that with a couple of people and do you know what I think there needs to be clarification on how the ball ends up going out of bounds because it was a great defensive play and I think because the end zone is a special area on the football field, there should be a different rule for it. Oh, I hate it. I hate that so, idea that because so, it's a so, special area. Who was so, it? Someone it from Gridiron defa- tweeted this to me and went, uh, we agree with this analysis that it's this amount. No, rubbish. It is a special consistency. area. Consistency. Consistency. No, we need you consistency. Don't, you don't score a touchdown in anywhere else, oh. do you? Yeah, but so this is this is nonsense. This is a nonsense. It's not nonsense. This that was is a great a defense. It was a great defensive play. The ball should go to the defense. It was a great defensive play. Why should the defense be punished for the guy fumbling out of the end zone? I've told you, consistency is the issue. I don't have any problem with turning around and saying if it's a defensive forced fumble, which I'm sure I think all fumbles are really. Uh, Not really. A guy can drop the ball or whatever. He can yeah, well, literally drop the ball going out of the end zone. That, which you're that doing, can happen. Which, which you're doing because you happened. fear of being hit by the, That's by not the a defensive, defensive player. Any, any, any time someone fumbles the ball, you have to put some credit on the defence, whether it's because they've been hitting the guy hard, whether it's because they the coverage has been good and the guy has been drawn away from it. Like Even if it's just a straight-up drop, the defence has to take some credit for it. I don't mind if the way it becomes consistent is you turn it into a turnover wherever it happens on the field. That also works for me absolutely fine. But it's the fact that it is everywhere else on the field. It's not a turnover. But it is if it goes out the back of the end zone. I'm sorry, it is an absolute nonsense. And all the people coming at me saying that it's a special area and that the defence should be rewarded. No, I don't care. Make it a reverse touchback. That's very much the rule I'm a fan of. You lose the down, as you would anyway, and then you get the ball back at the 25, and it's X and goal. So if you if it was a third down when you fumbled it, it's fourth and goal from the 25, or third and goal from whatever it would be. If it was already fourth down, it's a turnover, but fine. It would have been a turnover on downs anyway, so that's not a problem. Your slight potential issue comes when it is not first and goal, but say first and 10 from the 13, 15, 20, wherever, and somebody's made a big play. But then what I think you do is you go, right, okay, so it was fumbled at the two-yard line. That would have been a first down, but they fumbled it. Let's give them first and goal from the 25. That, for me, is a much cleaner solution. And it doesn't... I, I, you know, why is the NFL so favoured towards offence? And yet with this one random rule, it goes, nah, nah, we'll just give the defence a ludicrous advantage on this. Ludicrous advantage? They knocked the ball out. They made the play. The offence failed. Didn't recover it, though, did you? Didn't recover they, it, though, did you? Because it went outside, out of the end zone, you clown. Yeah, and when it goes out of bounds anywhere else in the field, they don't get possession. So nah. it should be the same in the end zone. Willie, I think you're wrong on this. I think you're wrong on this. 
It is but, honestly since the since the catch rule got fixed, this is the worst rule in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I can't tell you what exactly what is, but I like the fact that the that the Panthers made a play on that ball and the ball goes out. If you if you fumble the ball and it goes one inch this side of the pylon, you get a first and goal from the one inch line. If it goes one inch the other side of the pylon, then it's a touchback, a turnover, and the team gets it 20 yards up the field. What a yep. rubbish. Fair what enough. What an absolute nonsense. Fair enough. That's the rule. Good rule. Terrible rule. Wow. Well, if you disagree with me or Willie, at Gridiron Us and tell us why. And the thing is, here's I'll tell you what makes it worse. The rule makes players fear selling out for the end zone, going for it, making the big football play, trying to reach out. You remember the Des Bryant catch, which was or wasn't a catch against Green Bay? And after that, you had this idea that, well, you shouldn't try and make a football move. It's because he tried to gain the extra three yards and stretched out that we're calling that not a catch. Now that has been changed, why are we telling people, no, stop trying to score a touchdown, just think about ball safety. That's what should be your main concern. It's the fact that... It's the fact that I want players selling out for the end zone. I want players trying to reach for the end zone. I don't think you've seen a a market change in people not trying to reach for the end zone or for the pylon or whatnot. Only because because football fans are stupid enough to not know their own rules at times. I think think actually you're saying that play you saying that players are scared. What players have you have you spoken to have said that they're scared to reach out to the end zone? Well, that's what I'm saying. You're you're saying something there. A lot of players, a lot of players, and you're doing something there. A lot of players and former players on social media last night will start off with Joe Thomas saying it discourages offensive players from attempting athletic moves towards the goal line in an effort to score. Impressive athletic manoeuvres should be encouraged and rewarded. This is what makes the game exciting. As a fan, I want to see athletic and awe-inspiring plays. It's inconsistent. It significantly rewards the defence for potentially doing nothing at all. Yes, it was a good play last night, but you said it yourself. Sometimes a guy just drops the ball. Sometimes they just fall over. Sometimes, you know, it is... I'm sorry, it is rubbish. It is utter, utter, utter rubbish. Uh, well, we'll have to agree to disagree. No, I'm never doing the podcast again. I disagree <laughs> to disagree. Willie, Willie, Willie. What did you make of Cam Newton's apparent lack of any sort of throwing mechanics? The, the guy looks gone. Oh, yeah, he's uh, throwing up. And there is... I, I, I find this such a grey area because obviously there is an element of wanting to be the you know, you know you're the quarterback you know you're the leader Cam Newton at times has taken stick for not being those things and the fact that he's putting himself out there when he's clearly uh, in uh, hurt he's clearly restricted by that arm and by the issue he had previously. There's an element of saying that that is commendable. I obviously think you then get into the danger area of saying, you know, if a player is concussed, of course they shouldn't go back into a game. If a player is properly hurt and it could be career-threatening, of course they shouldn't go back into a game. So it's kind of, that's why I find it a grey area and a difficult area to talk about. But I think after the loss last night, that'll be it. We'll see him shut down for the season. I can't see him playing in the last two weeks. And they are... 
facing a, a long old off season of rehab and you know, potentially second surgeries to go in and find out what the problem is because there were throws after throws after throws last night that we've seen Cam Newton make time and time again and just not been able to make. Um, he doesn't have the pace on the throw anymore. And no. th- you saw throws going into the dirt well short of their intended target. You saw some wobblers. You saw some others that that, that were flying over the intended receiver. It was really worrying. And I think it, it, we've been seeing this for the last, however, four or five, six, seven, eight weeks but the the hits that he took, the double hit, the, the the shot to the back from Cam Jordan, whilst he got a four out forearm in the face from Davenport, which was a, a horrible horrible play from the the Saints on Cam Newton. But ever since that shot, he looked invisible amounts of pain. I am, um, uh, yeah. I think he's shut down. I think he'll be done. I actually think Ron Rivera could be done in Charlotte as well. New ownership came in, they stuck with him, but. This Panthers team was a little too talented to be in the situation they're now in of losing. What is it, six on the bounce? Yeah, uh, that you know they should be. They should have been playoff bound three or four weeks ago. They've now gone six and eight. It's a little bit of a mess. Even if you don't want to blame the, uh, even if you don't want to blame the, the the fact that Cam Newton has been poor because of injury. Um, to be fair, though. Defense, they were excellent. Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis combined for 25 tackles, uh, were absolutely brilliant. Uh, Eric Reed was superb, as was Jackson. Uh, they 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 really shut down an offense, which obviously we're going to talk about the Rams in a moment, but and, and the Chiefs as well to an extent. High-powered offenses suddenly struggling late in the season. Defense is coming forward. I think it makes for a really interesting playoff period. Um, there. <laughs> The one thing I want to say about the Saints side of things, yes, the offense had a real problem. Previously unstoppable, they relied on Alvin Kamara on the ground. They still did do enough. They relied on Michael Thomas in the air, obviously, as well. Breeze made some errors, which he's not made previously. Uh, but it's the, their big problem is the same as the Rams. I think there's suddenly their offensive line, which had been so good for 13, 14 weeks, is, is suddenly really struggling. And that could prove to be a massive problem. They, if they had efficiency on third down problems as well. You want reasons to be cheerful for the Saints? Okay. They While scoring their fewest points since 1998, since week 10, they have been the NFL's best scoring defense, holding opponents to just 12.3 points per game. That's massive for the Saints, yeah. that their defense yeah. is finally here. Yeah, and the defense is is really playing up. I like the emergence of Eli Apple. Oh yeah, last great night it, he had some incredible plays. Um, uh, you've got Davenport and um, Cam Jordan up the up the the middle, or um, on you know on the defensive line. And um, who's that? Who's that blonde Clay Matthews esque inside linebacker? Uh, let me find him. He's got a funny old name. <laughs> Let me find him. Funny old name. Me Funny mucker. old name. Uh, it is Anzalone. I really liked. He was Alex buzzing Anzalone. around all. Yeah, buzzing around all over the place. Alex Anzalone. And they, so what they've got is key players in every part of that defense, which are suddenly really, all of them, really, really playing well. 
we talked a bit about Anzalone towards the end of last season when they had that really, really impressive rookie class and obviously all of the focus was on Lattimore and Williams prior to his mistake in the um, in the playoffs and uh, the big right tackle Ryan Ramjic and, and Alvin Kamara but quietly Alex Anzalone's second half of last season established himself as a starter and really got good and he was great last night so it's a really good shout little bird ah, thanks big bud uh, should we move on to Sunday night football because what a weird, weird game that was. Weird. The Philadelphia Eagles 30, the Los Angeles Rams 23. It's the biggest, the joint biggest underdogs a Super Bowl champion has ever been. They were 13 and a half point underdogs and won by a full touchdown. Uh, I ch- I'm trying to think about my thoughts about this game because obviously at the time we were watching it on Talk Sport and went through everything in, in pretty big depth. I'm annoyed that the Rams... Uh, players don't seem to understand that going out of bounds stops the clock uh Gerald Everett I'm looking at you Todd Gurley I'm looking at you particularly amazing with Todd Gurley actually that twice this season he has stopped himself from scoring a touchdown because of his awareness of what the clock is doing and yet he didn't get out of bounds on the final drive like I just it blows my mind and it just shows why the Patriots have been so successful for so many years that they get situational football and so many others don't seem to get it I think there is a real problem with their their offence though and, and ever since the Lions game it's been shown that if you can get after Jared Goff their offensive line has had problems the last four weeks and if you play either cover four or cover two with two very deep safeties now that they've not got Cooper Cup for those over routes that they lose the deep game, they lose the big plays and they can't build any rhythm off those big plays. And that's where they've really struggled and they need to find that and they need to bring that back over the next two weeks. Luckily, they've got the 49ers and Cardinals, two good teams to to figure those issues out against and to try something different. But I guess the only thing is it's nice to have your slump not in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, you get um, you get your your slump out of the way nice and early, where it doesn't mean as much, and you're already qualified. But wasn't Brandon Cooks brought in for that exact over the top deep threat? That's what, what I thought. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong, but I think that it's more complex than that because they are a, a, an offense that do so much stuff with like three stacked receivers with a, yeah. a, a, a YISO tight end on the other side that do and and. I'm not saying Cooper Cup single-handedly is the reason this offense has stopped working, but it's amazing how much each of those little components were important considering how much we want to talk about scheme. Good to see Todd Gurley in the run getting back established again. That's something we talked about Sean McVay not doing as great a job of in recent weeks, but the Rams have stuff to figure out. They really have stuff to figure out. I like that their defense finally stepped up in the second half for Keep to leave after a dreadful first half. Oh my God, all over the place against Alshon Jeffrey on a couple of occasions. Just dreadful, dreadful awareness of where your your man is meant to be. I so he, he really bizarre. stepped up at the end in a difficult situation. And the fact that they were so close despite a muffed punt, despite how bad the defence played in the first half, despite all the offensive problems, I still think the Rams will have a major impact on the playoffs this year. Let's not... Let's, let, I think people will overreact to the last two weeks. That's my belief. Philly put themselves I'll... right back in with a chance of the... Uh, of the playoffs, though they're now seven and seven, just a game, a half a game behind the Vikings, tied with the uh, with Washington in pursuit of the sixth seed. 
now the Panthers are pretty much out of it. So, um, yeah, they close with Houston at home and Washington on the road. Genuine chance of that sixth seed. Well, genuine chance of winning the division, I think. Oh, yeah, Dallas, there's that as well. <laughs> Dallas lose their final two games. They go to 8-8. Eight and eight, And Eagles win their final two, 9-7. They could win the division, which would be amazing. And then you could see perhaps... Dallas or or someone it wouldn't be Dallas but you could see the wild card of Minnesota or, or Seattle going to Philadelphia. Can we talk about the Cowboys? I know you are dying to talk about the Cowboys. <laughs> Has anyone seen the clown suit? Oh wait, Indianapolis put it on Dallas on Sunday, twenty three to zip. Wow, um, this was particularly fantastic because. It highlighted something which we talked about a little bit on the radio. I think the fact that Amari Cooper has obviously had an amazing impact and you can only beat what's in front of you, but he did have four weeks of absolute cupcake secondaries to go up against. Today, Pierre Desir, who for the last year, and Frank Reich is doing, he should be in a shout with Coach of the Year. If they get to the playoffs, he absolutely should be in that conversation. Pierre Desir has looked like an all-pro corner this year and absolutely shut Amari Cooper down, did a brilliant job on him. And once he was taken out of the game, we saw the Cowboys look like they did before the bye week. It's amazing what an individual impact he's made. Um, And I, I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed... I really like the Colts. I love watching the Colts. I hope that Jags game was just a blip. Let's get them in the playoffs and get them giving some seeded team fits and starts. Oh, look, the oh, Colts are so much... Send so them much to New England. To send them to New England. That's what I want to see. The Colts are so much fun to watch. Um, they, they've they got Darius Leonard, the rookie, who is the leading tackle uh, tackler of the entire NFL. If he's not in the in with a shout of def- defensive rookie of the year, I don't... There's something massively wrong. And, um, and, and by the way... Whilst we've all, whilst we are all in agreement that Leighton Van Der Esch looks like a great player, Leighton Van Der Esch has been doing it for five weeks. Darius Leonard's been doing it since week one. He's yeah. definitely ahead of it in my poll. Yeah, my poll as well. He and he just looks like an absolute baller, an absolute baller. And uh, some props to Tyquan Lewis as well. It was his first or second NFL start. Uh, sorry, it was it was his sixth NFL start, but <gasps> he had two. He had two tackles. Um, uh, sorry, he had two sacks. <laughs> Jesus, to start this bit again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you yawn really put me off. Uh, and let's I'm get leaving to... this all, I'm leaving this all in, by the way. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's get some props to Taekwon Lewis. Uh, it's his sixth game, but the two sacks uh, that he had of Dak Prescott, who is still the most sacked quarterback in the division, despite that what we thought was having a, a great offensive line which has now been decimated from that great offensive line two years ago um, but Tyquan Lewis had a great game so we're talking about um, we're talking about key players in every facet of on the field so up front with Lewis you've got Leonard uh, in the backfield and then um, your man in uh, Desir in in the secondary so they're, and, and doing, they're, they're to... causing pressure all over the defence and hence the bagel that's not to take away from Kenny Moore and Quincy Wilson, who are also doing a really good job in the secondary, but Pierre Desir is the one who jumps off at you on tape. Um, 
what you said at the Cowboys offensive line, potential worry for them, Zach Martin out, Xavier Suafilo, who's done a great job there, to be fair, considering he wasn't very good in Houston. Um, they've lost their two starting guards, and you know, between that and losing their starting centre, that could be a real problem for them if those guys aren't back quickly. Um we kind of skipped over because I wanted to talk about that Colts game, the two Sunday evening games, because we're kind of working our way back a little bit. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 17. The New England Patriots, 10. Wow. Wow, this wow, was, um, wow, This wow. was actually a really fun game to watch, wasn't it? Considering they both scored early and we thought, oh, Lord, this is going to be a 42-39. Oh, Patriots nick it later. <laughs> you know... Patriots in classic fashion score either side of the half get the ball last win it on a winning field goal do all those Patriots things uh, this was most importantly a great Steelers defensive performance a bounce back performance considering where they were the previous weeks but over that five game losing streak we talked about it a bit on last week's show that zone defence they play is just so not designed to deal with Tom Brady they can't, it just doesn't work. Tom Brady picks it apart every single time. And apparently, I was listening to um, uh, another show the other day where apparently after the loss last year towards the end of the season, the week 15, I guess the week 15 loss, yeah, because they didn't face in the playoffs in the end. Apparently, they weren't even off the field, Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin, when they started talking about, we need to play more man. We need to figure out yeah. how we can play more man. And they've done it. Sean Davis was great. Morgan Burnett was great. Cody Centerbar was great. Uh, Mike Hilton, the, uh, the 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 nickelback, was great. Actually, came out a little bit in the game. I saw Cameron Sutton rotating in a few times, which was interesting. How considering how good he's been, but yeah, Vince Williams was great. They got pressure up front. They played a much more man coverage thing, which nullified Gronk, which nullified Hogan, which nullified Gordon. And they did a really, really good job of setting the Patriots down. I think the Patriots probably miss out on a seed now. I can't see them going to the Super Bowl based on what I've seen out of them in recent weeks. But actually saying that, look at the six in the AFC right now and tell me who the overwhelming favourite is to go to the Super Bowl, because I don't think there is one. There isn't one. Uh, not the way that the Chiefs got beaten by the Chargers back on Thursday night football. Not the way that um, the Chargers have got a, a propensity to charger it. The Steelers you can't trust. The Ravens you can't trust. The Colts you can't trust. Um, yeah, there there isn't an overwhelming favourite. However, I think the, the general level, maybe the AFC and the NFC, uh, th- this past week, week 15, has managed to level the play level out a little bit whereas before week 15 we thought do you know what the AFC is a better division from top, you know top to bottom i think actually it's, it is a bit far more level than we first thought um they love and respect each other way too much after philip rivers spent 2 years behind breeze in uh, in san diego but man philip rivers against drew breeze in a super bowl would be fun oh wouldn't that be great a chance for Breeze to grab his second. Philip Rivers going for the first time. I'm rooting for a Chargers Saints Super Bowl right now. Sorry, fans of every other team. That's the storyline I like most for the rest of this season. So very quickly, in our WhatsApp mm-hmm. group, 
in our WhatsApp group uh, with Matt Sherry, editor of the magazine, and Simon Clancy, of course the hyperbole flies about all over the shop. The hot takes are are, are off the scale, but one of them, which I managed to discern and filter filter out of all of the others, was that um, New England look in deep trouble going forward past this season, and Gronk perhaps needs a season off, maybe needs to retire. What are your thoughts on all of that? Uh, I completely agree. I, Gronk could retire this year, but I think you did. You say this uh, a, a few weeks ago. Basically, just give him a season off and bring him back. That's what I, I said. A, I think it's a great shout. It's a great shout, mate. Like if they, I I would be happy to take a cap hit on him for a year for the idea we could get a fully healthy Gronk back for another two or three years after that. I think it's well worthwhile. But they haven't. They, you know, they let the the backup quarterbacks go who could have done a job and they have problems in the trenches and I, yeah I, I do it would real be a da- it would be a real damp squib if after going to you know, three of the last four Super Bowls and winning two of them they kind of limped out in the wild card round and then uh, Belichick or Brady or both walked away But and wouldn't we hate that as football fans the fact is they figure it all out time and time again though and I think they do the same again um, what a great game this Sunday night is going to be with the uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Seattle Seahawks. And the reason it's going to be a great game is because the first time since 2013, the 49ers beat the Seahawks. And I don't know if Simon Clancy listens to our podcast. And I couldn't be bothered to argue with him on Sunday night because we were just about to go live on air. But to suggest anyone who suggests that the 49ers beating the Seahawks isn't a good thing because you fall out of the number one seed, the uh, the number one draft pick by beating them is completely forgetting what it is to be a sports fan. Do you know what, Willie? That is a fantastic point. They're forgetting what it is to be a sports fan and and you're, you're... not thinking about oh the bigger picture or the future of the franchise it's about winning on Sundays that's what, what it's all about and winning against your rivals what powers us as sport fans is, is exactly that those rivalries beating those teams that you love to hate winning on a Sunday is absolutely right as well it was a great performance yes it was penalty laden yes they outgained us in terms of yards but the big kickoff return the back and forth nature the taking it to overtime late the doing it clutch the proof that this coaching staff has plenty of life left in it after some question marks over some decisions over recent weeks this was wonderful to watch we've won back to back games for the first time this season yeah, we might miss out on Nick Bosa and he might end up in Arizona. Boo frigging who. How many number one picks overall have busted? Plenty of them. It's just as successful picking at three or four as it is at one historically. Forget about all of that. I'm reveling in not only beating the Seahawks, but putting them at legitimate risk of missing out on the playoffs in a season when they were right in that fifth seed and in a season where the NFC overall looks weak in the back end. Like I don't expect they will. I think they, for my money, they lose to the Chiefs on Sunday, but beat the Cardinals week 17 and get in at nine and seven. But like, I I just loved it. I've thoroughly enjoyed it as a football fan watching and just enjoying myself. I was pumping my fist. I was dancing around the studio. I had a whale of a time. So 
whatever. I don't care about the draft position right now. I care about enjoying my Sunday. And you're 100% right too. You mentioned a load of great things about that game. The best thing for me about the entire game was part of that uh, kickoff return, Sebastian Janikowski. <laughs> so funny. So just, just, funny. Just whiffing on trying to even attempt to make a tackle. He didn't even bother looking like he was going to make a tackle. It was very funny. Um, also, the Seattle defence, as brilliant as they were against the Vikings on Monday night and you know, led to the firing of their offensive coordinator, um, Nick Mullins has completed 65% of passes against them for nearly 700 yards across two games. So I'm just saying, good, not great defence. Will struggle in playoffs. So what you're saying is those um, those people that are jumping on the Seahawks playoff bandwagon they're on the the Russell Wilson hype train um what you're saying is people need to take a little step back and realize that the Seahawks aren't potentially as good as everyone's making out is that what you're saying maybe okay great yeah it is considering we're meant to be rattling through these games we are taking a lot of time over them well we're talking about the games that actually mean stuff (laughs) oh yeah there are plenty which are a lot less meaningful um let's let's go over kind of grace points for for most of the rest of the games unless a really obvious one pops up that we need to get into more detail about uh the chicago bears 24 the green bay packers 17 the bears clinched the division the first time they've won it uh, it's the first time they have won the title since 2010, I want to say. it's Yeah, it's been eight years. It's the first time they've won in Soldier Field in eight attempts since 2010 as well when they won that title against the Packers, that is. Um, it, uh, there were lots of streaks snapped. Aaron Rodgers lost his uh, interception streak, um, 402 yards, uh, two yards, two, 402 attempts without an interception until it bounces off Jimmy Graham's hand. By the way, no one's mentioned it. There's definite um, pass interference there, but no one decides to mention it. <laughs> but I thought Vic Fangio's defence yeah, was... Yeah, they, they, it was a great game from them. And also, Mitch Trubisky, they kept it simple for him and he didn't stuff it up. He didn't mess it up. He had a, a pretty good game, actually. 20 for 28, 235 yards, two touchdowns. And, Decent. And do you know what? Really good. Ex- the the big thing that Trubisky did there, which is something that I think is his strongest point, was his ability to extend plays, and he did oh. it three or four times. For as much as we want to knock him for missing open throws, and he does do that on a regular basis, man, is he good at spotting pressure and keeping his eyes downfield? And it's the reason why I think the Jared Goff second season comparisons were fair because that's what Goff did so well when he was bad in year one. There are signs that Trubisky won't be Blake Bortles North. But it is. There are still more downs than ups this year, but this your was jury, definitely an up. Your jury is still out. Yeah, the the, the way he felt pressure. I, I don't know who the co-coms was, but he mentioned Trubisky feels pressure on the the backside and then evades that pressure. And you're right. Three, four, five, six times Green Bay had a free run at him, and he just kind of danced around them. Really impressive. And now the the Bears have the chance, put a, a, a albeit a small chance but they have the chance um to do something against the rams because i think they hold the they hold the the uh the what's it called over the rams they hold the tiebreaker the tiebreaker thank you <laughs> it's going to be I put a long my phone day. down for a second there to adjust myself and that was very funny yeah they um, they, they hold the tiebreaker over the rams and i think they're just a game behind so if uh, if the rams lose and the bears win 
at least one more each and then you could see the Bears jump into a bye and with home field advantage with one of the wildcard slash division winners coming to them after the bye it's looking good for the Bears I think they are a team that no one will want to face in the playoffs I don't know if they are Super Bowl ready but they are trending in the right direction Uh, right Vikings 41 Dolphins 17 kind of forget that the Dolphins kept this one tight and got it to 21-17 at one point after being 21-zip up but they ran the ball well the Vikings and the off the back of an emotional victory with the Miami Miracle it's amazing that it continues to be the case that those kind of games are the ones where the next week the team struggles we saw it with the Vikings last year the Vikings are currently in the sixth seed uh, and uh, on the road in Detroit before closing at home against the Bears they want to hope that the Bears have clinched everything by that week 17 game so that they're going to go up against the second string Miami 7-7 seven and seven. I don't expect them to get into the playoffs but I you know I didn't expect them to get to seven wins so what do I know I think the Vikings uh, are, g- are not going to make the playoffs wow there you go I think we'll they'll lose that more later this I- week I think they'll lose one of their next two games the Buffalo Bills 14 the Detroit Lions 13 Josh Allen hit Robert Foster for a 42 yard touchdown to give them the lead early in the fourth quarter they held on defensively on the road which is something that they've not done a huge amount of this year um, I guess the only thing that I, from watching the highlights back of this game I want to highlight is that Kenny Golladay is very good at football oh, I've been on the, the Kenny Golladay hype train for a while I really like what he does really like what he does I think Matt Stafford's having a massive down year after two real up years, but I think Golladay is bailing him out on a regular occasion. Is Flacco having is Flacco is Stafford having a Flacco esque <laughs> down year? Yeah, maybe. I think maybe. I think he could be on his way out next season. Titan seventeen, Giants zip, bagel. I mean, uh, an, an ugly bagel, a horrible game of football, rain, mess. Bless poor Lee, who was on our tour this year, who went to back-to-back games in New York. Saw a great game on Saturday night uh, with the Jets and then uh, saw a stinker here. Should we talk about those Saturday night games? Because I'm kind of rattling through Sunday, but... I mean, The Bur- Browns won again. Let's the just Browns ra- won again! Let's just rattle through them. Browns won again. Some, it has to be some ludicrous shift of results for them to make the playoffs. But the Browns won again. Greg Williams... One again, what? I I still I'm still convinced that he's not the right man going forward. I think uh, Greg Williams is Sam Allardyce. He's the shot in the arm for a season where there's clearly talent somewhere, but discipline was needed and organisation was needed. I don't think he's the kind of person to really helm a franchise going forward, and I don't think he's the kind of person who you want associating with your young rookie quarterback for years and years to come I think if he's appointed I don't think that would be a good long-term move but he's certainly making a good case for it Um, the Broncos are all but done and for the Jets game Sam Darnold best game of his season so far really turned around my opinion on him a little bit as I thought he was really starting to slip I think the Texans for considering they've won 10 of their last 11 might not actually be that good at football I th- I, they've I got some amazing re- players on both sides of the ball but put them all together and 
I think they are relying on those big performances. Yeah. I think they're relying on Deshaun Watson doing amazing things. They're relying on DeAndre Hopkins being the best DeAndre Hopkins we've seen in his career. They're relying on those superstars on defense. I'm not sure that top to bottom, roster wise, they're a particularly great team. I think they're a team with three, four absolute superstars. But I think it, there's a lot to be said for Bill O'Brien who has taken them to, what, four winning seasons in the last five? Three of those ten win seasons? Yeah, he has been by far the most successful Texans head coach of all time. And I thought he was unfairly linked with the sack a year or so ago. And I'm glad to see him doing it. I just think they might be a bit of a one-and-donner in the playoffs, unfortunately. What about the Ravens? What about them, Ravens? Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, so what are the Ravens? I don't. What are they? I don't feel. What like are they? It's back. The team. greatest of all of the uh, of <laughs> of the features that we've ever had. What are the Ravens? They are a great running team. Yeah. That's more than anything else. A great running team because Lamar Jackson is a threat on the ground. When he throws and completes, it tends to be off the fact that he's a threat on the ground. Gus Edwards is rotating in and being a threat on the ground they will be a difficult team for teams to face in the playoffs. It's going to be fascinating to see how long it takes for defences to figure out what they're facing and what Lamar Jackson will be in year two. But I think they can ride what they're doing right now into the playoffs. And as far as they go in the playoffs, I don't think it happens this year that someone figures them out. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know what? They're fun to watch. And that's the main thing. Who's going to win that division? Ravens or Steelers? I still think it's the Steelers. The fact that the fact that the Steelers um, beat the Patriots this week kind of talks me into it. Although they've got the Saints this week, haven't they? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a question that we'll get into on the next show. They go to New Orleans, but then the Ravens have to face the Browns, who might still have a scrap of something on them. Oh, the Ravens go to Los Angeles. They've both got horrible road games this weekend. Here's my prediction. Both teams lose this weekend and the Steelers nick it on the final day because they face the Bengals. Yeah, yeah. That's a great shout, actually. Bengals-Raiders was a game of football. Washington-Jacksonville was a game of football. Atlanta and Arizona was a game Listen, of football. The fact Do you have anything to say about these three games of football? None at all, because these teams are now no longer in any way relevant well, Washington is like Washington is seven to yeah, seven. But, yeah, Josh, Josh Johnson first first start for seven years. Only through his. Hey, did you know that a year ago he was pushing his kids on swings yeah. or something? I can't even remember what the narrative is anymore, but it's boring. At oh, this isn't point. it? It's all dull. But they they are still within a very outside chance because the AFC, sorry, the NFC East is. No one wants to win that division. People have tried, been trying to lose it from week one, and they no one can lose it or win it. Well done, Atlanta, for getting something going on offense. I will say that. Well done, Atlanta, for finally getting something going. Um, I, I'm going to. I don't know why I reserved anger for the end of the podcast. Here we go. But I'm just going to throw something out there. The Josh Johnson winning a game there seems to have been used by an excuse for a certain sect of Washington fans and football fans for saying, see, no one needed Colin Kaepernick back in the league. 
it was still a dreadful decision to not even get him in the building still utterly ludicrous to get someone who is his backup elsewhere rather than going to the man himself he still offers you a better chance of getting to the playoffs than Josh Johnson does just because you got lucky against a Jags team who really can't finish off games no matter how well the defence plays through three quarters doesn't mean that you shouldn't have gone to that well I still hate this franchise for everything they stand for and when it's combined with Eric Reed last night played his 11th game for the Carolina Panthers he has been randomly drug tested on seven of those occasions what is the NFL doing how are they scoring such a PR owned goal you are a mess the NFL you know what the NFL are like there with this go. whole Colin Kaepernick situation it's like if you had um, a racist grandmother or a racist a racist uncle or something <clears throat> you have to deal with them because they're your family but you don't like it yeah yeah I'm fine with that yeah. analogy <laughs> I'm not sure everyone would be but I am <laughs> uh, Ollie I think that rounds us up well done yeah, mate and we don't have to review, preview any Thursday night football because it's happening on Saturday so we'll just do a big preview show on great. Friday that's a great idea um, we have to, we'll talk at some point about where Joe Flacco's going to land I think but not today I can't be bothered no, to talk people, about it today we will talk about it people have been listening point. to us for far too long if you've managed to get to the end of this podcast well done but we're gonna t- I'm going to talk about that with oh, Jacob great. from Skype even better up, because they've got a market up for it so there will be some conversation about it for people who desperately want to talk about it otherwise Ollie Hunter any final thoughts no final thoughts uh, you've had no final thoughts ever recently I'm going to encourage you to come up with some do you have any final, final thoughts because oh well, there no. we go brilliant <laughs> <laughs> I'm off back to sleep that's my final thought uh, lots of love buddy thank you so much for listening coming up the latest odds with our friends at Skybet and thank you for listening to the Gridiron Show right time now to take a look forward with our friends from Skybet Jacob is with us on the line Jacob no Thursday night football this week but there is plenty for us to dig into as we go from week 15 into week 16 where do you want to start buddy so we figured with there being two weeks left, but we've got no Thursday night football to preview, thinking maybe we'll have a little look at some of the season-long rabs that we've got, some of the bigger price ones that have still got a good chance, some for, for the people that have backed these to kind of cheer on going into the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. So we've got to, So we'll start off with the biggest one that we've found that's still coming. It's 125 to 1, and this is for... Ben Roethlisberger to have the most passing yards and Jameis Winston to have the most interceptions in the league. Okay. Big, Big Ben's only 90 behind Mahomes. So it's not, you know, he could he could catch him fairly easily. And Winston's only two behind uh, Darnold and Big Ben who have both got 15 interceptions. So it's obviously with a bigger price because Winston wasn't sp- wasn't going to play every game and <laughs> ended up playing even fewer than than he was projected to. So it's almost crazy that he's so close behind the lead. And then if you're Big Ben, you know, they've got two big games now after after this week where he's probably going to be throwing the ball quite a lot. We saw that they have one of the lowest run pass rates in, in the league. So I don't think it's un, uh, unthinkable to think that he could pass over Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, it, it's a really interesting one. Uh, next, we've got 40-1. to 1. This is, again, for Ben Roethlisberger to have the most passing yards. But the other part of it is for 
Elliott to have the most rushing yards. He's 99 ahead of Gurley in the lead. So you've got to be feeling pretty good about the Zeke part of that. Again, you're just cheering on Big Ben in that, in that sense. Yeah, Next I mean, as, as much as as much as you want to cheer on Big Ben, I'll give you that. It does mean you have to cheer on Big Ben. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> um, for the, for people that are on the kind of other side of that, if you had Patrick Mahomes to have the most passing yards on its own, that was thirty three to one at the start of the season. I think we expected it to come out and for him to th- throw the ball quite a lot, but I don't think anybody expected the kind of success that he's had. Um, so I think if you're if if you're on one of those bigger priced ones, you're probably battling with somebody who's got this 33 to one for Patrick Mahomes. It looks like it could be come down to those two. I am keeping an eye on the fact that they're playing the Seahawks this weekend without a doubt. Yeah. And then another one that I really like that some, that people have got is for Aaron Donald to have the most sacks. So this was, this was 40 to one and no doubt he's an incredible pass rusher, but He's facing double teams on 70% of snaps. And it's, it's just rare that an interior guy is able to not only do so well against the past, but he's not doing it from like a traditional three-tech where you get your better pass rushers. He's generally doing it from like a one-tech or a zero. So the fact that he's been able to have the most sacks, he's got 16 and a half. He's two ahead of person who's in second. He's got a really, really good chance now in these last two games to, to finish up at top of that leaderboard. Okay, I, there's some really interesting stuff in there, and and stuff definitely worth a, a follow. Um, I am um, I'm really intrigued. There's no Thursday night football obviously this week, so we're going to do our personal request to bet uh, on the Saturday games coming up. But I know that I don't know, the, the big one on Saturday night, Sunday morning is the Chargers Ravens game. But I saw a really interesting market that you guys are running on Joe Flacco. Yeah, so. The Ravens came out last week just before the game and said that they'll probably be moving on from Joe Flacco um, this year and rolling with rolling with Lamar Jackson. So there's a good chance maybe he gets cut, but they've also spoken about how their ideal situation would be to trade him to a team of his choice. I think they don't want to do him wrong after after the, the Super Bowl win and how long he's been with them. So we've got the market up for what his team will be in week one of next season. So if we start off, we've got... The Jaguars in as Fav at four to one. So mm-hmm. they said that you know they're going to move on from from Blake Bortles as we've as we've seen in the back end of this this season, and they're going to probably be high enough in the draft if they do want to take a QB in the draft. But doesn't that doesn't rule out them bringing in a veteran? And I think people have seen what Andy Reid did with Mahomes and Alex Smith and. It works. It works. It's it's a dynamic, you know, that that a lot of teams have gone for, where they have the veteran guy and they have the rookie, so that they don't have to rush the whole situation. So I could still see them bringing in someone like Flacco, even if they do want to draft somebody. Cap space is potentially an issue for that one, as we've discussed on this show. But I um, I, it's definitely the best fit in terms of need and availability. Yeah, and next up we've got the Redskins, five to one. Obviously, Alex Smith, he's, well, he just got back from the hospital, I believe, a couple of days ago, but that was, it wasn't, it wasn't such a clean leg break. He had the problems with the infections after surgery and had to have more surgeries. So I'd be surprised if he's back and just good to go by next season. There could be a chance where they need, need somebody else. Um, I mean, there was talk that 
he might he may never play again. So I think it was one of those n- nasty injuries where you're not too sure and look how much they've struggled since he's gone down. Mm-hmm. Uh, following that, we've got the Giants seven to one. It's whether they whether they bring back Eli Manning or not. Uh, some some people would say there's not much in it between Manning and Flacco. I think it's it's kind of here or there, but once you get to here, you're kind of looking at teams that have already got those kind of veterans, but might just look if they think it's an upgrade. It's like the Giants yeah. are seven to one, the Bucks are seven to one, mm-hmm. Raiders nine to one, Dolphins ten to one. You're looking at all those teams where they might just if if the coach likes Flacco enough and thinks it's an upgrade, then he might go he might go with that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, we've got the Broncos at 14 to 1. Similar thing there where they might think it's an upgrade from Keenum. Another one, if you do think that, you know, he gets cut and no team picks him up, you can also back that at 14 to 1 as well. So you can cover all, uh, there is all bases there on that market. I'm really intrigued in particular by uh, the Jags absolutely catches my eye. I think staying in Baltimore absolutely catches my eye because don't rely on this offense to work forever in the way that it's worked over the last few weeks. And he's obviously a legend at the club in air quotes. And yeah, I I think it's a really interesting market. So one well worth going and checking out. You can find that at skybet.com now. Uh, Two big games this Saturday, which will... we're going to have a request about out for later this week, so keep an eye on at Gridiron and at Skybet on Twitter for these. But um, how are the lines looking at the moment for Washington in Tennessee and uh, and Baltimore in Los Angeles? So for the Tennessee-Washington game, Titans are sitting at 10-point favourites right now. The under-over line's pretty low, though. It's only 37.5 points. Oh, so wow. We're looking at a low-scoring game, which shows just how favoured the Titans are for them to be 10-point favourites with such a low line. Mm. Um, the Redskins, they've just, they've really they've really struggled since Alex Smith went down. And I think the Titans are starting to, well, I mean, it seems every week we think something different about the Titans. Sometimes, you know, they look like they're good and then they look terrible. And I think they're in they're in their groove right now. And I think this is the perfect time for them to play a team like the Redskins. I know they got the win over Jacksonville last week, but I think Jacksonville are maybe just just as bad as opposed to the Redskins improving. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. Not a bad shout at all. And then for the Chargers-Ravens game, the Chargers are four and a half point favourites. The total points line set at 45 and a half. Obviously, the Ravens are on a bit of a roll right now and they'll be really disappointed that the Patriots couldn't beat the Steelers. It's probably a game they looked at and thought, oh, they're going to catch up there. And they could have put them in a in a really good spot to maybe try and get that, nick, nick the division. Obviously, that didn't happen and the Steelers got what they needed. So it's going to be pretty tough. But I think we've got a game here where Melvin Gordon could be back. But the Chargers, they're struggling with injuries. You know, Keenan Allen went down. They haven't got. They might not have Eckler. They might not have Gordon. It sounds like he's he's on track to play, but it, it sounded like he was maybe on track last week, and it didn't happen. So, you never know with these types of injuries. The Chargers could turn up and have all three of them. The Chargers could turn up and have none of them. So, expect that line to possibly move depending on what happens with these injuries. Okay fascinating stuff we will keep an eye on that and we'll have the requester bets out later this week and do the thursday night requester bet deals stretch over to saturdays 
So instead of the request a bet offer, what we're going to have, because we've got two extra games, you'll notice last week when we had the Saturday games, we had an extra touchdown treble. So ah, we have that last week instead. I think that's what we're going to be doing again this week. But we're going to be waiting until a little bit later in the week because we probably want to pick a Chargers player. We don't want to pick one that's not playing. Uh, yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. Uh, all right, pal, perfect stuff. Uh, keep an eye on all of that later this week on our social channels and at skybet.com. Remember, it is only over 18s only. You will find the terms and conditions at skybet.com. And please gamble responsibly.